You're about to hear my conversation with Richard Long, who leads our Kubo franchise. We talk all about how he approaches the value space, what the difference between deep value, cyclical value, and quality value is. And we also talk about individual names that he is currently finding attractive. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKinsey Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm delighted to have Richard Wong, who leads our Kundal investment team, back. Richard, welcome. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for asking. And thanks for uh, taking the time to speak with me today. Always love uh, hearing from you, Richard. And uh, what struck me about uh, this conversation, uh, and just to start off, we rarely talk about performance, but taking a look at your performance uh, as of the end of uh, August in 2023, the Kundal Value Fund is actually top decile uh, in one and three years. And it's not an intuitively value-oriented market, clearly kind of very much known for value. Maybe we can get into some of the ways that you can approach value and that have led to that performance. So why don't you start by telling me how you view markets and value investing as a whole? Well, thanks, Matt. I, I would start by saying that it is being a much more friendlier market to value the last few years, even though people think about this year and they think, oh, NVIDIA, AI, and so sure. on. Uh, but it's been a friendlier market to value basically since we stopped having zero interest rates and zero inflation. I had talked about in previous podcasts that when we have positive inflation and positive interest rates, it's generally a tailwind to value because we're not fighting with, you know, uh, you know, people able to borrow at zero dollars to buy whatever story they want to buy in the market. But in terms of the value spectrum, uh, we, we look at value in different ways and we're always buying out of favor stocks, low multiple stocks, stocks that, that are some very often hammered in price action. Um, but we, we broadly look at the type of names we look at in, in three buckets. You know, there are the deep value that Kondo is known for, which are problematic stocks, stocks in restructuring, turnaround, hairy stories, very, very cheap, but needs X, Y, and Z to happen for the service, for the value to service. Then there's cyclical value, which are, you know, cyclical sectors, and we tend to focus on leaders. And during a downturn in, in that se- sector, they could be very cheap. And there's also quality value in, 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 in our minds. Um, quality value are stocks that trade at low valuation, but they're largely non-cyclical. They have uh, consistent cash flows. They would have strong balance sheet. They might even pay a dividend. But really, low valuation stocks, they are non-cyclical and have more consistent growth. And, and uh, we pay attention to quality value as well. That's great, Richard. I want to sort of do a double click in each of those three different categories uh, and specifically thinking about the, the past three years, um, how you've thought about positioning the portfolio in those three different groups. I think the, the easiest one to start with is deep value, which is the one that you started with. Um, in this case, it seems fairly idiosyncratic. How do, you, how do you view deep value? How do you think about constructing it within your overall value portfolio? So deep value um, is opportunistic. Deep value tends to be idiosyncratic stories. You know, one particular company that has a management change, or one company has a lawsuit, and you know, and and or maybe multiple earnings misses, and therefore right. has fallen deeply out of favor. 
um, you know, in my experience, and I've been in this business 20 plus years, um, you know, the market goes up and, and down in cycles. And from my observation, uh, earlier on in an economic cycle, the the both deep value and cyclical stocks are very deeply out of favor, very depressed, very cheap. And it tends to be cyclical stocks that rally out of a of, out of a downturn because okay. they they participate in an upturn uh, economic recovery. They have a lot of operating leverage. They're usually trading at very low valuation, and people start having hope about the economic cycle. And then when uh, during more mid cycle, when people uh, have more risk appetite, market sentiment is strong. That's when deep value when they work does extremely well. People have. Uh, markets have uh, the, uh, appetite for for taking on risk. They want to reward companies for fixing themselves and so on. And near the uh, the tail end of the cycle, um, it's is where we focus on quality value. You know, these are companies that are less volatile. Um, they have strong balance sheets, and because they're not cyclical, we're less concerned about oh the emergence of uh, a deep recession causing these you know types of stocks to to go down. So so we will shift our portfolio. Uh, amongst these exposures over an economic cycle, um, so that's that's uh, that's how we do it. So right now, deep value is uh, not a huge part of the portfolio. We have a uh, you know quite a number of names that are deep value, but we control the exposure because uh, in this part of the cycle now, we think we're kind of late cycle. We're waiting to see either we get a, a soft landing or maybe we actually do get into recession. Market is jittery about that. Um, it is time to focus more on quality value. So, so we've, we've controlled the exposure we have to deep value. That's a perfect explanation uh, on uh, deep value and how you think about it in the portfolio. Even in, give, maybe give me a sense uh, going back three years. It feels like we've lived right. through a market cycle uh, during the three years, given the uh, given what's transpired, COVID, uh, sort of the post-COVID boom, uh, and then of course the rising interest rates and inflationary environments. What has been the exposure to deep value over that time? And maybe even give a few names of, of companies yeah. that uh, exhibit those characteristics. That's a good question, Matt. And um, so, you know, we were, you know, watching the development of vaccines very closely at that time, I remember. And uh, from our work, it was pretty obvious that by November 2020, we were going to see some sort of announcement from Pfizer and BioNTech and so on. And we thought that things are so negative that any sort of positive announcement or mildly positive announcement was going to be shift the market's focus back into a recovery right. from the COVID-led recession. So we started shifting to cyclicals um, ahead of uh, at that. We started shifting to cyclicals in September, October. So once you get into you know Q4 2020, Q1 2021. There was a huge rally in cyclicals, so we really benefited from that because we had dialed our cyclicals back to over 60% of the portfolio was cyclical at that time. Uh, deep value also, we added to deep value at that same time, and it got to probably around 22% of the portfolio was the deep value. Okay. Um, some of the names that we, uh, we we have in deep value now, uh, you know, we own... Uh, some of them we've owned for a number of years. We own a name called SNC Lavalon, uh, oh, sure. a Canadian company. And they had the scandals. Is that was the is that the overhang that was uh, leading to the valuations? That's right, and that was that started back in nineteen two thousand nineteen, and right. um, the stock went from sixty to like under twenty dollars. So that was a classic deep value. You know, lots of risk, lots of headline risk, but from our analysis, some of the parts. There was a lot of value, but they have to clean up 
and they've been spending the last three years cleaning up. You know, they're they have to exit the fixed cost contracts that they always have cost overruns. Uh, it's not very profitable business, um, and um, so so they they are now coming to the tail end of that, and they have reported very good quarters recently. Their engineering service business is doing really well. They're a leader, global leader. There's a lot of infrastructure spending going on in the U.S., especially with the the bills that have been passed. And they have some hidden assets, you know. They all still own like six point seven percent of the Highway four hundred seven, which hmm. we believe they can sell and uh, raise cash and maybe use that to buy to make acquisitions. So it's a very dirty story becoming a very clean story, and that stock has done ex- extremely well this year. Great. Uh, um, so that's that's really how uh, you know another deep value story that we got into um, just earlier this year, Allstorm, which is a French train equipment passenger right. train uh, manufacturer, global leader, and they got into trouble by buying the assets from Bombardier. Right. You know, um, and they were loss making, caused them a lot of trouble. They lever up. So so the stock got got really hit and it's in deep value territory and they have to fix um cut costs and fix the Bombardier contracts that they deliver. I mean they they, they took over and they have to deliver. And um but you know once that's done, they are going to be uh, 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 one of the top, you know, there's only so many passenger train manufacturers out there. They are one of the two. Siemens is the other one. And right. uh, and there's a Chinese one too, but they don't tend to sell much in developed markets. So so that's, uh, that's a lot of upside. Electrification, you know, tr- autonomous driving for trains, uh, EV for trains. They're a leader in those areas. So they're, right. they're in the midst of a turnaround right now. Two great examples to give you a flavor for that. I want to move to cyclical value, which is a sort of the second one that you talked about. You talked about increasing the weight of cyclical, sort of in lockstep with deep value uh, around the vaccine uh, announcement. I'm curious, uh, one, where are you currently uh, with cyclical value exposure in your portfolio? And then two, also maybe give us some examples just to make it a little bit more tangible of companies that fit within that uh, that you've been investing in. So yeah, I go back to talk about that cycle, right? As that as that cycle continue on, we ended up getting into very high uh, central bank hiking rates and so on. So we got concerned about consumer and so on, like a lot of folks are. Sure. So yeah, over the course of the last twelve months, we've uh, dialed down both deep value and cyclical value. And quality value is the largest bucket now in the fund. At about forty four percent of the fund is quality value, but we still have exposure to cyclical value because they are very cheap and. Is not absolutely sure that we will get a recession. Right. So there is a balance of you know we, we, we could get a soft landing. So likelihood is looking a little bit better, and we don't know for sure. We don't forecast this. We just look at the actual data that comes out. So there are a lot of cyclical stocks that are very cheap, and if we were to avoid a recession, they would do extremely well. Um, so one name that we own right now is Daimler Trucks. Um, sure. It's a German company. It's a Spin-off from Mercedes-Benz, right? Uh, and they are the global leader in um, in trucking, in trucking uh, large trucks like these are sixteen wheelers, twenty wheelers, um, and they have a quarter of their valuation market cap in cash. Very healthy balance sheet, global leader. Uh, nobody is as big as they are. They own all sorts of brands, uh, like Freightliner is one of their brands. Obviously, you know, uh, Daimler is someone that brands and, and they are a leader in electric driven trucks as well, you hmm. know, software. So, so there's a, they, we do have exposure to, you know, I mentioned also same similarly. I mean, we don't, we don't just buy the themes, but if there are themes that like EV that 
could be great for the long term. Uh, and we're not really paying for it because these stocks are so cheap, then, uh, then that's great. So Daimler truck is great. Uh, it's a cyclical. It's not that cyclical. It's a lot of spendings has to be done, whether there's right. a recession or not, because trucks, fleets of trucks have to be retrofitted to be greener, greener. So they, they, they benefit from that. So that's, that's one cyclicals we have that, uh, that we really like right now. Great example. Uh, same question, Richard, but why don't we talk about quality value this time? So it seems like we talked a lot about reducing uh, of weights in both cyclical and deep value. Quality is going to be the other side of that coin. And right now you mentioned 44% of the portfolio in quality value. What are you looking for, I guess, um, right now as far as increasing or decreasing that weight to quality? And then maybe give us some examples of some names that you found within that space. Some of the quality value we were uh, able to find actually during the pandemic. Um, like for example, uh, in our minds, TJX is a quality stock. Uh, it's, oh. it's, it's a bargain, you know, these are, right. This is Canadian winners. It's owned by TJX, sure. yeah. right. During an economic tough time, uh, consumers look for bargains and, and, and these, co- this company is able to buy bulk and discount, sell them branded products, fashion at a discount. Of uh, which is, I think, very resilient in the environment we're in. We bought this during the pandemic when most of the stores were shut down, right? And the stock plummeted, and we thought, like, well, we felt that pandemic wasn't going to last forever, and that's sure. you know how we from our research, that's that's what we believed in, and it turned out to be the case. And so that was a quality stock, a quality retailer, uh, not very cyclical, very resilient. That we were able to get at bargain prices during the pandemic. Um, and we other quality stocks we own include like Comcast, which is the lead, leading cable company in the U.S. and they own U, uh, NBC Universal and so on. Great. Very steady growing cash flow, pays a dividend, uh, recurring revenue, but trades at a very low multiple, like low double digit PE. Um, and uh, another quality stock that we've actually had for a long time and added to in the last uh, year is Oracle. You know, Oracle, no, sure. it's, it's, a, it's a huge lagger in the tech space. It's not been perceived as a growth stock at all over the last right. few years. Uh, they've been a, a lagger in transition to the cloud, but they're really catching up now. You know, our analysis shown that uh, they could have increasing amount of revenue coming from the cloud, and that's turned out to be the case over the last few quarters. So the stock has performed very well uh, this year, but we had to wait. Uh, and and but they're delivering now, and we still see compelling valuation in a name like Oracle. So when we look at quality value, there are steady growers, they are non-cyclical companies, but generally have strong cash flow characteristics. And these are the type of stocks that even if we were to have a, a deep recession, they will hold up very well. That's great, Richard. I do want to come back to uh, this concept of rotating between these three different buckets of value and, and what stage of the cycle uh, these tend to perform well in. Uh, and I want to marry it and try to understand your comment where you said, but you don't forecast where you're going. So without the without forecasting, how do you just determine what the right amount is in cyclical versus quality versus deep value? Well, it's not an absolute number. You know, We don't draw a line in the sand and says, oh, this has to be one third, one third, one third. I mean, the decision is driven largely by you know bottom-up. It, it's a bottom-up uh, selection process. And we pay attention to both the macro data, you know, purchasing manager index, unemployment, right. bank lending, and we pay attention to the company's bottom-up comments that they they you know deliver quarter after quarter, and the shifts that we make are quite gradual. You know, they're one stock at a time. 
you know, for example, you know, one, one case in point, you know, early days in the recovery from the pandemic, we, we had a lot of financials, you know, okay. the, the yield curve was steepening, consumer spending was accelerating, it's great time to own banks, and we had uh, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of exposure in financials, but as, as the um, cycle continues, and we're hearing about, oh, uh, not only are they lending higher rates, but deposit rates are higher too. They have to pay out more in deposits. Yeah, of course. So we're hearing, we're hearing that pressure. We're also hearing that you know after the initial spending, you know, consumer uh, borrowing seems to be a little bit weaker. Um, so when we hear that, Mary, with the fact that we we monitor, you know, PMI and you know confidence numbers and so on. You know, then we gradually go, okay, you know what, maybe we don't need a 3% weight in this bank, you know, we should just reallocate, uh, take some of that off and, and look for more defensive names that we could, uh, you know, so it's a gradual process, it's not a hard number. Um, we, we obviously look at the benchmark, you know, we're, we're not, uh, we're not blind to the benchmark. And so we go like, you know, do we want to be more, more uh, defensive than the benchmark? Should we? You know, should we be more aggressive than the benchmark at this at this this time of the cycle? So, those are the kind of things we think about. That's great. And just to, I guess, just to put a finer point on that, it sounds like while you don't forecast where markets are going, understanding where the market currently is is really important. Um, you've referred to a few metrics, but maybe elaborate on that. Like, how do you know what part of the cycle we're currently in? Is it simply following PMI and unemployment and that type of thing, or is there more to it? Following the macro, definitely. I mean, over a trend. I mean, you see, you see, you see. Uh, you know, there's an inventory cycle, for example, right? We follow that, and 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 you you can expect a certain market behavior at certain times when we're in a negative territory for inventory PMI numbers and so on. Uh, but but also we look at market action, you know, day to day, right? And that tell tells us. How people are positioned, you know. Uh, so I mean, that just used as a is it almost like just you know you're looking, you're driving on the road, you're looking at a GPS, but you're also looking at the traffic around you. So, so I think that's in com- combination, you know, looking at market action and just kind of like the macro is kind of the GPS. But but we don't know precisely exactly where we are, but we know where we travel. So if we see numbers softening, then we know that we're probably through the peak. You right. know, we don't know exactly how long the end is. Like, you don't know where we are in, in terms of our end cycle. Does that last for a few more quarters or does that last for just a few more months? We don't know. We just have to manage risk and, and we don't make a, a, a dramatic shift until we see more clear signs. So, for example, for us to contemplate becoming more aggressive in cyclical again or, and, or uh, devalue again, we're going to have to see either the rate hiking cycle is totally behind us and they're going to go down rates are going to go down. So that will stimulate the economy. So that's going to give us hope that we might see a beginning of a new cycle. Or we're going to see that, you know, there's the risk of recession continue to recede. You know, there's reacceleration in consumer or business spending, for example. Right. Or we have to see something dramatic coming out of China. You know, that, that you know, this rut they're in, they're going to find a way to get out of, which we haven't seen evidence of that. So we look for those major changes to tell us that okay, you know, chances are things are turning, and right. we should reposition. You know that because usually during those turning points, some parts of the market is really cheap, right? Like right now, when those turning points happen, cyclicals are really cheap, and they're gonna give you better upside than quality. 
but quality will give you less downside right now. So right. when you're late cycle, you want to worry about downside. So it sounds like right now, and based on the 44% of the portfolio being in quality value, you, you think that we're sort of in late cycle. Um, maybe talk us through some of the opportunities that you're seeing. What are you seeing that is cheap out there? Uh, and where are you putting capital to work? Well, we're putting in capital to work right now. They're, they're kind of very um, stock by stock, you know, um, yeah. because we, we feel that the exposures and positioning uh, the portfolio is correct right now for for where we are in the cycle. We're we got a lot of quality, but we're not void of cyclicals. We see opportunity cyclicals. They're gonna take a little longer. We kind of manage the position size, you know. So so the cyclical exposures are not that big, but they're there, you know, in terms of opportunities, you know, there's a there are a lot of opportunity. I mean they're they're more like a single name opportunities. Uh we think uh, in the U.S., uh, no, I mean we talk about stock names again. You know, yeah, Dollar, yeah, sure. Dollar Tree is it's it's got a lot of upside potential. They're the early days in breaking the buck. You know, they got new management team, um, and in their, this is this is an investment year. They have to invest in systems and so on. So so the stock is held back, but but we believe that they have a clear path to transitioning to a multiple price point. And in a recession environment, um, there are bargain hunters and treasure shoppers sure. that would uh, would like to shop at those formats. So they have to go through this, and there's a lot. You know, the stock stock is depressed, but we see a lot of upside. They're well behind where Dollar General and Dollarama had done historically. So there's a lot of catch up to do. So we just see this as a multi year opportunity. Uh, we like tech resources in Canada. You know, they're hmm. they've got they're in a process where they. You know, discussing potential buyers of their co-assets. We think if and when they can find a way to resolve that exposure, it becomes a very clean copper exposure. Copper right. is a clean metal. It's a green metal. Electrification requires a lot of it. And they have one of the biggest new growth areas for them, the Q, uh, QB2 mine, and then the more, more they would develop. So they are one of the few copper giants out there that have new copper mines coming to the market where you know it's very tough to bring a new copper mine to the market so we believe that could be very valuable and 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 that stock would do even better if we can get out of this recession concern that we have uh, around the world but but that's a that's a very good idea in my mind great play tech uh, both uh, splitting up the uh, the two different types of uh, raw materials and also a longer term electrification and, right. and the rarity of being able, able to, to bring copper to the market and we we like we like uh, cloud transition stories. Um, hmm. You know they have done well this year, but they are they are a cheap way to have exposure, and they're still trading below their intrinsic value. Names like I mentioned Oracle, but SAP as well. Uh, those stocks are held in a lot of different portfolios out there. A lot of core portfolios might own them. Uh, we had them for quite some time when they were not uh, so um, when they haven't done so well. They were huge laggers. Now they're catching up. So that catch up for cloud transition for them and by their customers it's got still got a long ways to play out so we, we like those as well that's great richard really appreciate you spending time with me walking me through the the process uh, hitting on different stocks and different elements of uh of value i thought it was a really engaging conversation so thank you so much it's great talking to you matt content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. 
content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. 